0: Amen. There is nothing but the blood of Jesus that can make you white as snow to wash all our sins away. Not just cover them, but wash them away. How precious is that flow, Lord. We're so glad. Everyone in this room that I know of is glad that that flow flowed into our bodies and our bloodstream and our mind and our heart cleansed us from our sin and redeemed us so that we can spend an eternity with you, Father, because we didn't trample underfoot the precious blood of the living God. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. Thank you for calling us. We'll be forever grateful. Lord, today I pray that you would call many people into the kingdom. There's churches all around the world preaching today. Lord God, many of those people attending are unbelievers and they don't know Jesus. They've never received Him as their Savior. They never asked Him into their hearts and therefore they haven't been saved. Some of them might have been made an intellectual commitment with their head, but their heart was not in it. We're going to see what the Lord Jesus has to say about that today. They hear with their ears, but it doesn't go anywhere. Lord, today, speak loud and clear, not only to this congregation, not only to me, not only to the those that have attended here, but speak loud and clear to the entire world as the gospel has going forth today from preachers and lay people preaching the gospel, unashamed of our Savior Jesus. You promised that if we're unashamed of the gospel of Christ, it would be your power to convert souls because we are brave enough, unashamed to share it with the world. So today, Lord, as we're in this pulpit today, I want the world to know that Christ came and Christ died according to the Scriptures and Christ was buried and Christ is risen the third day according to the Scriptures. I want the world to know that. Let them know that they must receive Him as their Savior. But as for many as received him, he gave you the right to become a child of God, even to those who believe in his name. Thank you, Lord. All of us in this room come to that place where we believed in your name. And we received Jesus as our Savior. May the world do it today. May they be unashamed. May they have courage and strength to pull up their bootstraps, stand like a powerhouse before their families, their children, their mothers, their fathers, their neighbors, their enemies, for Jesus Christ. You receive the glory, Lord, no one else. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless the church. You may be seated. Everyone online, I just wanted to remind you who we are. I know there's new people tuned in at this point. And We're Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're in Lantana, Florida. We're a quarter mile west of I-95 on High Paluxo Road on the north side of the road. So it's easy to get to. If you're local, come on by. It's a small congregation. We don't have hundreds or thousands of people, you know, but we we are mighty in spirit because we believe in the Savior and we're unashamed of the gospel of Christ. And uh, two people walked into the men's group yesterday. Right off the street, and we preached the gospel to them, and then then one of the guys, um, you know, uh, took them down a the gas station and gave them some gasoline for their car, you know, and it was cool. And he had they had to wait about a half hour till I finished the message, so they got to preach to hear the gospel, and they both all say They believed, and they said they received Christ as their savior. So, you know what, they didn't say they did it there. They said they did it before. So, you know what. Take them at their word, but they were in dire straits, and and uh, they came in. They had the, what can I say, the wisdom to go to a church to see if they can help them out, and we did. We discerned their spirits, and it was great. So anyway, um, you know, things happen around here. It's really, really neat, and God's doing it, you know, so praise the Lord. Oh the Lord, for all of you out there, If you're looking for a church. You know, this is it. Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches, you know, on High Paluxo Road, 2810 High Paluxo Road, Lantana, Florida. If you don't know High Paluxo Road, it's the north border of Boynton Beach, and it's also the south border of Lantana. So uh, come on by if you're local. We have a great time. We're here every Sunday at at 10 at uh, 10 a.m. every Sunday at 10 a.m. every Thursday night at 7:15, and every uh, Saturday morning, the men's group meets at 9 o'clock, which is not streamed. Sunday and Thursday are streamed live, so, so if you're out there, tune in or come on by. We'd love to have you. Um, website is freedomchurchpb.org. Freedomchurchpb, stands for Palm Beach, dot org. You can check out, you know, what we believe in. You know, we're a Bible-believing church. It's all about Jesus here. We believe in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Is the operation. The Father is the administrator of the plan of salvation. Jesus is the revelation of the Father, and the Holy Spirit is the operation in this world today, and He works within each and every one of us. So, so uh, that's what we believe. So come on by there. You can go online, freedomchurchpb.org. You can listen to messages from probably six, seven years back. We've been here almost eight years. In August, will be eight years. You can read our beliefs. You can find our address. You can see our list of ministries. You know, um, you know we have. You can watch past services, and you can even give online. So all you got to do is go to the Give Life button and press it, and then follow the the words, and you're right there, and you can help the gospel go forth. Because we are a Bible preaching church. We preach Jesus Christ, Him dead, crucified, and risen, and, and according to the scriptures. We've, we uh, preach the whole gospel of Christ, not just parts, and we don't mince the truth. There's things that I point out that a lot of people don't want to hear, but I'm just a messenger. God is the one who wrote it in this book, so don't shoot the messenger, you know, because we're going to teach you what Jesus taught, and that's what he would want us to do, teach the correct, biblical, accurate word of God. So... Um, Today, I mentioned earlier, we've been studying in Matthew. We've been in here for quite a while. We're doing expositional studies, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Matthew, and this time we're we're seeing different things that we might have uh, pray, or taught over the years, because God's given us deeper insights. So today, we're in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be in the first 23 verses, if I get that far. Um and I will should be able to finish it next week. I'm going to read to you the first 23 verses of Matthew 13. I'm reading from the New King James this time. The New King James. So, start at verse 1, Matthew chapter 13, New King James. On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and a great multitude were gathered together to him. So that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore, and he spoke many things to them and parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the wayside, and the uh, birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stormy ground, and where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up, but they had no depth of, of root. And the earth, and when the sun was up, they were scorched, and became, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell on thorn, upon the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But some fell on good soil, and yielded a crop: a hundred, fold sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him. Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And he who has an abundance, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand, and, and in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes have not, uh, they their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Blessed be the eyes, for they shall see, and the ears, for they shall hear. For assuredly I say to you, many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore, Hear this parable of the sower: When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, he does not understand it. Then the wicked one comes and snatches it away. What was sown in his heart? This is he who received by the wayside. But the one, but he who received the seed on stony ground, this is the is who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet it has no root in itself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful on the good ground, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some one hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So this is the parable of the sower. In the next two chapters, 13 and 14, Jesus is going to speak seven parables of the king. The seven parables. At this point, remember I taught you last week and the week before that, you know, at this point, the Jewish leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, have rejected Jesus. Remember I told you in Matthew chapter 8 and 9, you know, Jesus performed uh, 11 miracles. And those 11 miracles id who he is. Those 11 miracles id him. He's Jehovah Rapha as he healed the leper. And he's He's uh, Jehovah Shammah as it was the He was there when when the centurion's servant was healed even though He was several miles away, Jesus healed her from a distance, so He's Jehovah Shammah who was there. He's Jehovah Nisi because people had victory like Peter's mother-in-law over over a fever, you know. He's Jehovah Rapha because He's our shepherd. He's Jehovah. Uh, uh, shalom his our peace as, as he, when he calmed the sea he identified himself as to the creator the arm of the Lord that reached out and he caused peace to fall upon the sea these Jews, these scribes and Pharisees had no excuse to not believe that he wasn't the Messiah when he healed the leper they, he told them to go to the priest and offer a sacrifice nobody has ever even done this sacrifice before because no Jewish person was ever healed of leprosy, and here Jesus is healing leprosy they had to go into the scrolls, find out how what the what the uh, the custom was to the, the, to um, to perform the sacrifice for the healing of a leper, and they should have known this hasn't been done before this man healed a leper this was and we told I told you dr Luke Dr. Luke told us that this man was full of leprosy. It wasn't just a leprosy on his spot on his hand. He was full of leprosy. That means his limbs could have been falling off, his fingers, his toes, his nose. he They had to figure out. Jeez, they had no excuse, and neither does anybody in this world not to believe in Jesus Christ. You are without excuse. Even the heavens declare the glory of God. You are without excuse. The Jewish leaders have rejected, but the on the other hand, The common people are receiving Jesus. They're even calling him the Son of David, which is a messianic term, knowing that he most likely is the Messiah. And Jesus began at this point to teach in miracles because these Jewish people didn't understand. The only ones that would understand is people that had open hearts. And that's what he was looking for, open hearts. The Jews had rejected What is a parable? A parable really is an earthly story that illustrates a spiritual truth. This is an earthly story. The sower and the seed is an earthly story that illustrates a spiritual truth. And it's about people that come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but they wither away because they get choked out by thorns, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, because the birds come and pluck the seeds away. You know, the, You know the, he's, he's given us four illustrations. So a parable is an earthly story that illustrates a spiritual truth. The spiritual truth is a lot of people that receive Christ as their Savior uh, think they did. It was in bad soil, and it never took root. The Word of God shall be dull, so deep in your heart that if someone would remove your heart, you're as good as dead. Or if they would remove the Word from your heart, you're as good as dead. Because if they remove your heart, you're dead. But to remove the world from it, in other words, you know, you are sold out. You're sold out for Jesus. Not just S-O-L-D, but S-O-U-L-D. Your soul is all God's, and that's it. What is a parable? That's what it is. A parable is a compound word. It's made up of two, com- two words. Para, which means throw along, alongside, like paramedic, paraclete, paralegal. And there's also the other words, not just para, alongside, baleen, which means to throw. So what Jesus is doing, he's throwing a spiritual truth alongside what they should have known. A spiritual truth. He's throwing it alongside. So parables then are stories Jesus threw alongside of a truth to illustrate it. And that's what he's doing in this parable, the sower and the, and the, and the seed. Three principles in interpreting parables is important. Parables, first of all, in a parable, you have to de- determine the context. What is the context? Parables um, are given to illustrate doctrine. Not given to teach doctrine, to illustrate it. It imparts truth, it imparts instruction, and it imparts, uh, and it creates an interest within a person to figure out what is going on here, what is being said. And they basically teach one spiritual truth. And really what the spiritual truth of this parable is is that Israel has rejected Jesus and gives an illustrations as to why they rejected him. Their hearts were shallow, they didn't really believe in their heart. Some fell on the, the, the uh, stony ground and the birds came, some fell on, on thorny ground, it was choked out. Verse 12 of this passage tells us let me read it. Verse 12. For whoever has, to him will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. He's trying to drive home a point here. He's telling them this, the Jews are, are dull of hearing, and the followers are are, are just hungry for growth, and they're growth uh, to learn of Jesus and to find out really who he is. Jesus gets out as you noticed as I read that passage, he's out on a boat. He went out on the sea of Galilee. If he were at the northern end of the sea of Galilee where uh, Galilee where where the water comes uh, down into the sea of Galilee, it's actually a natural amphitheater. You could get on the water and, and, you know, water magnifies words anyhow, you know. But if, if he was in the northern area, it was like a spirit, a natural amphitheater. So his voice carried. There were thousands of people, most likely. So his voice had to carry. Why did he get on a boat? He knew that truth. You know, water carries sound. And you know it well. Know if many of you have been out on the water? There's four types of soil represented here. We have, have the hard soil where the birds came and they plucked it away. You know, at my house across the street from me, there's a lady that feeds seed to the birds. You know, she throws it in the yard. And ducks come and squirrels come and pigeons come and doves come and, and sparrows and every bird's come and they plucked away the seeds. And that's what she, you know, she's intending it for that to happen. But every once in a while, every once in a while, she'll have some sunflowers growing. Evidently, they missed, the birds didn't get all the seed. So some of them, you know, sprouted up. Sometimes she'd have uh, sunflowers that high in her yard, you know, because some of the seed did make it through. Maybe it got, you know, maybe it was uh, replanted, who knows. But anyway, there's four types of soil, the hard soil, where the birds came it didn't penetrate the ground the roots really didn't penetrate so the birds came and just plucked it up and you can tell every time she puts new seed out there because there are flocks there's at least 20 pigeons you know and cardinals and all kind of things that come come by ducks there's at least seven ducks and mama has her her babies with her now this time of year so it's it's, it's interesting to see that's that was intended that way, but the Word of God was not intended to be thrown onto soil that wasn't going to make them prosper. But we do. It breaks down. You're planting, you're planting seeds in their life. And eventually, you know, some God's going to water it. Somebody's going to water it or back you up on what you planted, and God is going to bring increase out of it. Then there's the shallow soil, which is stony soil. It's, it only has this be like a having a, a concrete slab and throwing an inch of soil on top of it. It isn't going to root good. It isn't going to... When it does root, the roots are going to be shallow, so when the sun comes up, it takes them away. You know, I have an illustration again. In my own yard, I have a, a big pot with a tomato plant in it. We planted it when my wife's brother came from Puerto Rico. He took some seeds and he planted it in a little thing for us, and before you know it, it sprouted up into a tomato plant. So I took it and put it in a big pot like this, and right now it has like five or six tomatoes on it, or green yet, but I have another one that I put in a smaller pot, it's only this big, and it had had one tomato on it, but it rotted. I don't know why it rotted. It had a slit in it, and somehow it rotted. But it couldn't grow any bigger. The other plant has five or six tomatoes on it, and this plant has none now because it was planted, you know, there wasn't enough soil. And that's what he's saying. It's like taking a concrete slab, throwing an inch on there and of soil, and then planting a the seed. It's not going to take, it's not going to grow properly because it wasn't planted in good soil. Then there's the thorny ground where the seed falls. And the thorns all around it. You know, and I think, I think that what is meant here is not just thorny, but, but um, what can I say? Not just thorny soil, but weeds. A lot of weeds grow up with it. And those weeds and the thor- thorny weeds just suck up all the nutrients or the water, and it starves, you know, the, the good word that was planted. So it gets starved. And that could be done by you yourself because you won't even go to church. You won't read your Bible. You won't speak the Word of God to anybody. You know, you've got you to gotta put out your faith there. You've got to talk it. You've got to live it. You can live it. You can live a Christian life without saying a word, just by your good works. But that isn't what God said. He said, go therefore and make disciples, teaching them you know, the scriptures and making disciples out of them. So it's not about just just getting people saved. It's about getting them discipled and grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy tells us we should read the word every day. Jeremiah says, I, I ate his I found his word and I ate it and it became the joy and the delight of my heart. We are not you know, Paul tells Timothy to study the word of God. You know, we are responsible for the Word of God. We just don't take it in and we go to church every Sunday and don't even live it, you know, in our lives. We're supposed to take it out the door and be an example to people so that they come and say, what's different about you? What is different about you? And we can tell them about Jesus, how he changed our lives. So the parable of the sower, the sower really is the farmer. And the seed, of course, is God's Word, and the field is the hearts of the people, and the birds, of course, are Satan's representatives. And most of the places in the scriptures, the birds are portrayed as, as evil. Not all the time. There was a raven that Fred fed Elijah, if you remember right, You know, but most of the time birds represent evil, and in this case... It's talking about, you know, the birds are representatives of Satan. In Mark 4, I'm going to read it for you. Mark 4, chapter chapter 4, and verse 13 and 14. Mark 4, 13 and 14. And he said to them, this is see, the, the parable of the sower explained in Mark. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you in, understand all parables? The sower sows the word. Jesus is telling you, this is the first parable in Matthew, He's telling you, if you don't understand this parable, you will not understand any of the other parables that are gonna follow, which are gonna be six more, six more. You have to understand this parable about the sower is the farmer, and the seed is God's Word, and the field is the hearts of the people. That's why I just prayed earlier that people would receive our message today that are listening, and not just my message in the Word of God, but every preacher that's out there preaching and every layperson that's out there preaching today. That the hearts of the people would be ready to receive. If you can't understand this parable, you won't understand the rest, is what Jesus is saying. This, uh, this parable really unlocks the parables that are going to follow. And the believer, who is the farmer, he plants the Word of God everywhere you go. We're not to keep quiet. We are to teach and tell people about Jesus, for you are unashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation, to the Jew first and then the, then the Gentiles. The Jew first, Jesus already went to the Jews. When Paul came on the scene, guess who he went to first? The Jews. But when they rejected, it was taken to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles gladly received. And most of us in this room, if not all of us, are have no Jewish roots. And we're Gentiles, according to the Word of God. And then in verse 10 through 13, here's the disciples are saying to Jesus, the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak in parables? And he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Why? Because they rejected it. For whoever has, to him more will be given and he who has an abundance. But whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. He's telling you right here that the Jews don't understand. What they had will be taken away from them. And it has been taken away because, you know, the Gentile church, you know, arose out of this. But it arose out of believing Jews, if you remember right. All the disciples were Jewish, including the Apostle Paul and Matthias, who was called a disciple by the lots that they drew. The Word of God here cuts two ways. It reveals truth. The Word of God is revealing truth to every one of us here is you need to sow the seed. And you need to sow it on good soil. I look for people that have good soil. I watch them when they come to church. I see how far they're growing, if they're growing at all. And it, you know, it concerns me if they're not growing. It reveals truth. And, um, and it also conceals truth. The Word of God can conceal truth. It depends on the condition of a person's heart. Believing in God through Christ depends on the condition of your heart. If you find a person that does not believe they are a sinner, you might as well not even, you can preach to them, but it's probably not going to go anywhere because they don't even believe they're a sinner. They have to know they're a sinner in order to get saved. And that's when you can tell if, if somebody's ready and ripe for the gospel, if they know they're a sinner, just keep on preaching one way or the other. You may not be rewarded with the increase, you know, but someone else could come along and reap the harvest from it. And that isn't about, you know, the scriptures tell us that the sower and the reaper are the same. And you'll be rewarded according to the work. So, if you're, you're witnessing to this guy a hundred times, and one guy comes along and leads him to Christ, you know, in the first time, you'll be rewarded according to your hundred times that you preach to this guy. And the other guy will get his reward because he reaped the harvest, which is great. Hey, the whole kingdom is not about you, it's about Jesus Christ and Him being received by the hearts of people. It's about about Him. Whoever has, you know, more will be given, and whoever... Does not have, it will be taken away. The Jews are going to lose control. There is no sacrifices today. In 70 AD, after the death of Jesus, the temple was destroyed. And all the records were lost. Most Jews can't even tell you what tribe they're from. I like to guess at it because the scriptures tell us that certain tribes, you know, they're bakers. The other ones say they're fishermen. You know what I'm saying? So you can try. If you know a baker, you might be from the tribe of whatever the baker is. I think it's Benjamin. I'm not sure. No, I don't think it's Benjamin. Anyway, but you know what I mean. You, you can go by that. Um, actually, Jesus is quoting several verses in the Bible, but the main one, I believe it is, is Isaiah chapter 6, verses 5 through 10. And I'm going to read them to you right here. Isaiah chapter 6. This is where Isaiah is called to be a prophet. And you know, you know the uh, the situation. What was First is five through ten. Let me find it first. So I said, "Woe is me! I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of unclean people. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts." Then one of the seraphim flew up to me, having his hand a live coal, which he had taken with thongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also, I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom shall I go for us? Notice the plurality of God here Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but they do not perceive. These scribes and Pharisees were watching Jesus. They were following him around, and they're watching him heal person after person, raising the dead, healing the leper, you know, casting out demons. you know the sick were were raised up you know the lepers were cleansed the blind were seeing the deaf were hearing the 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 dumb were speaking and they they're sitting there saying i don't think he's the messiah come on come on they're dull of hearing they're dull of seeing and this is being fulfilled right now as jesus is actually quoting it to the disciples. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears are heavy. That's what the parables are doing. The parables are blinding the Jews from, from the Scriptures or seeing the Scriptures because they have rejected the King. The more times you keep rejecting Jesus Christ as your Savior, as the Holy Spirit and, and you know, talks to you about Him, you are hardening your heart piece by piece, little by little. And before you know it, these scribes and Pharisees, they didn't care about Jesus. They cared about lining their pocketbooks because they were ripping people off in the temple court by by ripping them off with false weights and measures. They were charging extreme amount of money for animals to be sacrificed. They were supposed to be in the outer court of the temple of the Jews, That outer court was called the court of the Gentiles, where the Gentiles could come into the court of the temple, and they could find Yahweh as their Savior, and repent of their sins, and be saved, and be a proselyte, and be converted to Judaism, and instead they were ripping people off, and what they were mad at is Jesus was hitting them in the pocketbook because people were not... Going to the temple as much. They were following Jesus around town, around the around the wildernesses. They were in sad shape. They were blind as could be. They had eyes to see, but they were blind. They had ears to hear, but they didn't hear a word that was being said as Jesus. They missed every identification that Jesus was giving them. I'm Jehovah Shalom. I calm the sea. I'm Jehovah the Creator, the Almighty. El Shaddai, as he as he formed and created fish and bread right before their eyes to feed 5,000 people, 5,000 men, probably 12, 12,000, and the other 4,000 men, which is probably about 10,000 people, he created right in his hands as he broke it and gave it to his disciples. As he was breaking the bread, listen, come on, look at this. As he's breaking the bread like this, there was one loaf and two fishes, or five fishes and two loaves, you know, he's breaking it before them and it's multiplied right in his hand because he's the creator and they missed it. They're blind as bats. Even a bat has more vision than that. They can fly around at night with no sight and they can pick off an insect like that. But not the Jews. Make the people's heart dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. It's a call to repentance. Boy, I don't know about you, but the Christian church today needs repentance. Every one of us is a sinner. I wonder as much as I know about the Word of God, why I sin, because I can catch it, and you can catch it too. I wonder, why did God even put me in the pulpit? Because I'm a sinner. I'm a wretched, disgusting sinner. Isaiah knew. He says, I'm undone. I have seen the king. He knew it. God can't put anybody in a pulpit that isn't a sinner because we're all sinners. He's going to use sinners like you and me to bring people into the kingdom. Blessed be the name of the Lord. These people were word, dull. The disciples are asking, why are you teaching in miracles? Jesus is saying, these people honor me with their lips. Yes, they do, but the fact is, their heart is far from me. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It is possible to have the image of being religious or spiritual but actually be far from God. Did you know that? There's a lot of people in a Christian church that act spiritual and act religious that really aren't. Follow some of them around someday and see what happens. And that's the case with the religious leaders. They acted all holy, but they weren't holy. Jesus even told them one time, you're full of dead men's bones. First clean up the inside, then the outside can be clean. See, God's looking at our heart all the time. He doesn't care intellectually if you raised your hand in church and said, I believe in Jesus. You know, if you intellectual, doesn't get you to heaven. Heart gets you to heaven. If you conf- but if you confess with your mouth, Jesus says, Lord, and believe in your what? Heart you shall be saved. And when God sent Samuel out to look for a king, what did he tell him? He told him, don't look at his outward appearance, because God looks at the heart. A man doesn't see like, um, God doesn't see like a man sees. He looks at the heart of the person. It's possible that, you know, they had, People attend church, but their heart is far from God. It's possible that they read their Bible, but their heart is far from God. It's possible that they pray eloquently, and their heart is far from God. It's probable that they can contribute thousands, even millions of dollars, but their heart is far from God. I mentioned one time I knew a millionaire. He's a multi-million older guy. I used to try to preach the gospel to him. He wouldn't hear it. He was a Catholic, and uh, you know what? When he died... He left $5 million to the Catholic Church he never stepped into. I'm, I'm glad he gave money to the Church, and I will give it to the Catholic Church, Presbyterian, Methodist, as long, but make sure your heart is right, and make sure their heart is right so that money could be put co- to good use. And not build a $4.9 million building, but put four billion million million into ministry, into missionaries or whatever. It isn't about buildings. Right now, the churches are trying to liquidate their buildings that they bought in the big grace period to support the ministries that they have today. And if they're not doing it, they're going to go down. God didn't put it there so you can hoard it. God put it there so you can use it to get out there and preach the gospel and plant seeds into the people who need it. There's people that the seeds fell on stony ground, but now they're ripe. Now they're ripe. Their harvest is ready. There's people that that are act religious and are super spiritual, you know, and they love to sing, and they're in the choir, and they do ministry, and they talk with others about Jesus. I know people that were leaders in churches that would go ministering with other believers, and meanwhile, that person was hitting on the other guy's wife. This is disgusting. I know that because I was on the elder board where that was brought, and I used to minister with this guy. It broke my heart to see that he acted religious, and he looked spiritual, but inwardly, he was like a ravenous wolf. There's people in church that, that they're, they're, they act religious, they super spiritual because they, they're the soloist in a church. Or, you know, they're the, they're the one that can sing a cappello, their beautiful voice, but their heart is far from Jesus. There's those who talk about Jesus, but their heart is far from Him. Then A lot of people in church create the God that appeals to their wants and desires. Well, I want to live with my girlfriend, so they create a God that is not God because He says don't live with your girlfriends or boyfriends. You don't cohabit. Oh, it might hit your pocketbook if you're older and you cohabit and you'll lose Social Security, but we aren't supposed to be thinking on those terms. We're, We're Christians. We think above. We're supposed to be above that level. People come to church and, they're, and they flaunt their sin of gayness and drunkenness and, and sexual immorality and they're supposed to be repenting of those things. These Jews were teaching the, the doctrines of men higher than God's Word. The doctrines that they made up was better than God's Word. And Jesus is bucking them all the way on this. He never broke the Mosaic Law. He broke their religious and legalistic traditions, which he was trying to teach them something. So the seed is planted in four different ways. Number number one, the hard soil. The seed didn't penetrate the ground. The birds came and ate it. The soil was hard. What Jesus is saying, there's people in this world, their hearts are hard, and the seed of God cannot penetrate it. There's no impact on their heart when you preach. They stay unchanged. The birds, the devil is plucking the seed of God away from them, trying to get it out of their hearts. But you know what? The Word of God is still in our heart. This mind, whether you know it, is a hard drive, and it's there. People might come to you, you witnessed to, 30 years ago, and say, I remember that time that you said this? Tell me more. That's happened many, many times. Then there's the shallow, soil, stony soil. It's topsoil only, basically, on top of rock. This seed really springs up quickly, but it lacks root, as I said earlier. has no root system, and it just withers away when the sun comes out. I believe, I learned that in my backyard in the last several years. I'm wondering why my three avocado trees that I planted seven, eight years ago, I only have one fruit on it this year. I'm ready to tear it out, but Liz wants me to tear it out, but I, I can't. I planted it from a seed. It's like God. He planted you. But see, He's not going to let you go. He's going to work on you all the days of your life. And when you reject the Holy Spirit's prompting of Jesus Christ as Lord, and you need to hear Him, and you go into an eternity rejecting Jesus, then you'll be there forever. Because you tramped on holy blood and thought that it was insignificant. When that blood hit the ground, the earth quaked, the thunder cracked. Skies were dark. The centurion was on his knees probably saying, Surely this is the Son of God. The veil in the temple from top to bottom, opening up the access from the... Outer court, the holy of holies, where the sacrifice, the holy place where the sacrifices are done, Open up that a holy of holies, and now we can go right before the Father in Jesus' name. He said, "You know, when I go away, you'll ask me nothing, but you will ask the Father in my name." And that's what we do today. I don't know a person. If you, if I heard a thousand prayers, maybe two of them, somebody didn't end in, you know, in Jesus' name. You know what I'm saying? Some people start out in Jesus' name, and then they close still door with Jesus' name, which is fine. So so they, they get saved. They even come forward. They even raise their hand in church. They even get baptized. But their heart is far from them because it has no root. Then they dry up. They give up. They check out. I'm not a Christian anymore. I had one of my own family members tell me that. So you Christians are the worst. I'm going like, you were supposed to be a Christian. How can you say that? That made me doubt their salvation right there. This is a loved one from me and my wife. There's no roots. Tribulation comes and arises, and persecution comes when they're. Boyfriends or girlfriends or mothers and father call him a Jesus freak or a holy roller they get I got to go hide Paul was beaten he was whipped he was caught in the sea for 3 days and 3 nights He had all kinds of things happen to him Listen Jesus told us in John chapter 16, verse 33, He said, In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So if you want to overcome your tribulation, it's in your heart. It's in your the joy of your spirit. You know, a laugh is just for a time. Joy is forever in your heart. People give up. They made an intellectual head commitment. There was no heart involved, and therefore, according to the Scripture, they are not saved. Not according to me. Then there's seed that falls into thorny, thorny ground. And that thorns and the weeds would eventually just choke it out because it's sucking up all the nutrients and the good... The good seed can't get enough nutrients to survive and it's choked out and it's, you know, by the thorny bushes and the, and the weeds. It's the cares of this world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life are not from the Father, they're from the world. They quit reading their Bible, they quit studying, they quit Bible studies, they no longer even go to church. And this COVID has really purged the church. Our church isn't the size it used to be. I know pastors from other churches are telling me the same thing. Their church has never come back fully to where it was. You know what? And I've even had people on the phone talking to them, you know, even in the last several weeks, they told me they're so used to doing a TV thing, you know, they don't even go to church anymore, hardly ever. They do once in a while. The Word of God says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more as the time draws near. The time's drawing near, and you're supposed to encourage one another. You do not get encouragement by a friend if you're listening on the TV at home. You are missing part of what it is to be a Christian. A lot of Christians say, even Christians are home today. They're like the sluggers talk about in, in the book of Proverbs. They're like the slugger. There's a lion in the road. I can't go out. Hey, faith overcomes fear. Did you know that? Fear doesn't overcome faith, but it does sometimes if you don't, if you're not spiritual and you don't know the word of God, your fear can overcome your faith. You know, Elisha, that happened to Elisha. He had so much faith he called fire down from heaven. And then the next thing you know, Jezebel wants to remove his head. He's running left from fear. He's running for fear from Jezebel, one single woman. His faith was overcome by fear. Meanwhile, he just had fear that overcomes his faith. He killed 450 prophets of Baal. It can happen to even the most spiritual. The result of this thorny ground, they couldn't fit God into their schedules. Can you fit God into your schedule? Some people get up in the morning, they do their studies. Some people just get up in the morning, do their studies at night. Whatever fits your schedule. But you have to have the Word of God scheduled into your day. You're supposed to read it constantly. You're supposed to eat it, meditate on it. You're supposed to to study it and show yourself approved to God. So you can't read, your eyes are bad, or you have a hard time reading. I, I'm not a good reader. I read the Word of God, though. Moses could hardly talk. He stuttered so much. Aaron's the one that did the talking, but Pharaoh knew who was in charge. It was Moses when you look at a pastor that doesn't, as an eloquent, don't think anything of it. This is the Word of God, and it pierces as far as the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and it's able to judge the thoughts and the intention of a heart, not because you stuttered and isn't going to wipe that out. The Word of God is alive and active. Listen, if you're not fitting God into your schedule, I suggest you do. And the good soil. The good soil. It brings forth good fruit. I'm wondering about my tomato. It was split. I don't know how come that fruit was bad. Was something in the soil? I don't know. Those are the good soil is people that received the word, and the soil was prepared and ready. They're ready to receive. They can't wait to receive. And once they do receive, they can't quit speaking about it. Their hearts are right. They take it in. They hear. They see. They understand. They they produce fruit, 30, 60, 100-fold. Here's a biblical description of fruit in the Bible. Romans 1:13 tells us, and it identifies fruit as soul-winning, winning people over to Christ, soul-winning. Romans 6:22 identifies holiness as fruit. Uh oh, uh oh, the church, gay people. I'm glad gay people come to church, but they they better. They need to respond to the gospel. They don't try to bring their gayness into the church and get other gay people. No, they repent. The church is becoming like the world. The world is supposed to come like the church. Not we become like the world. And that's what's happening. It's it's sad. It's terrible. And preachers like me will be ostracized because of this. You don't promote their flaunt, their holiness. We have a deliverance ministry here. If you think you're gay, come to me. We'll put you through the deliverance ministry because, you know, sins of the forefathers pass on to the third and the fourth generation. It could be ancestral. It could be something else. It could be demonic. It could be demonic and ancestral. Get sin out of the church. You know what? The be- believers today, a lot of times, if 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 the rapture would happen now, could you honestly say in your heart that you're going to heaven, Or would half the Church be left behind? You know what the part is? That's the problem of the pastor, maybe. The pastor is saying, oh, just come to Jesus, and everything will be fine. The Bible don't say that. The Bible says, come to Jesus, and you'll have tribulation. So they come into the world, they come to the Church, and then they run into tribulation, and. Psh- they're gone, thorny soil, the, the, word, you know, the Word was choked out. You know what? Know when the revivals came? When Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield and other biblical preachers like Billy Graham got out there and preached the gospel and they were preaching fire, hell, and brimstone. Jonathan Edwards, you know, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God converted half of Boston well the Lord converted half of Boston because he told them the truth. You're a spider hanging on a web, and when that web gives, pff, you're in the fire. Romans 15, 28 tells you that financial giving is a fruit of the Spirit. You're supposed to give to your church. And you know, those people online, if you if you're the church you watch every week, you know, we are your church. You're supposed to give to your church. Send in your check, you know? I'm not preach. I never preach money. I haven't preached money in, 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 I don't know, 15 years. We have somebody will come in and teach money here, but I'm not like that. The point is, it's biblical to give to your church. How is the church going to survive? We have a missionary in Brazil right now. You know, this church almost solely supports them. We're just, what, 15, 20 people? We support a missionary. He's been there for six months. We support him. And he has other supporters, but we are his main support. As a matter of fact, when you give $100 to his ministry in Brazil, I sent him $200. Not take 10%. We, we, as Freedom Church, give $200. And I'm not kidding you. How does that happen? You know how? Faith. Because God says to give. And I'm. Mission oriented. There's people in other countries that need Jesus, but I'll tell you what, America needs Jesus too. I lent our van out about six months ago to a from a missionary from Brazil that was evangelizing America. <laughs> Believe that? A missionary from Brazil came to America to preach to us. We send missionaries to Brazil. I've been there myself. Come on. You're supposed to soul win as fruit? Holiness is fruit. Financial giving is fruit. And Galatians 5 tells you a whole bunch of things, mainly love resulting in joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control and meekness and faith and temperance. All kind of fruit. You'll know them by their fruit, said Jesus. And Hebrews uh, 13, 15 says that it labels praise. As good fruit. You know, as you were praising the Lord with Lewis up here with his car today, that's a good fruit. That's a good fruit, according to Hebrews 13, and 15. Also, Colossians 10 tells you that good works is a fruit. Listen, you don't do good works to be saved, you do good works because you're saved. Paul told Titus. He, Jesus, saved us not on the basis of the deeds you've done in righteousness but according to your mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Spirit. In other words, being born again. He saved you not on the basis of the deeds you have done in righteousness or good works. He saved you according to His mercy by washing and regeneration and renewing you in the Spirit, by the Spirit. So you're born again. You have a new Spirit. You've come, Jesus said. Unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. So it depends on the condition of your heart. And do you realize there's four there's four types of soil? Do you know that that means if you preach the gospel a hundred times, only twenty five may hear what you're saying? I even think that's high. But Jesus is telling. I'm, I'm probably hope or faith. Listen. I could go on and on, but I'm not going to because it's almost time to quit. And I wanted to bring up here one of our own who's going to give us our te- his testimony. And I'll tell you what, this kid walked off. he's 23 years old, he just walked off the street into a men's Bible study about two months ago, and we're going to baptize him on Sunday, this coming Sunday, not tomorrow, the next Sunday. And I believe the seed was put on good soil. So I gave him like five, ten minutes. He's going to give his testimony. Okay? But you need to pray for, for uh, Max. And I'm going to give him a mic so you can hear him. My wife is back there reminding me, which is good because I would have forgot. Um, I believe he's on good soil, his seed that was planted in him. So you need to pray for him. You remember when you were first saved? All the trials and tribulations. Well, he's not going to be, you know, he's he's going to have the same problems probably. But you pray for him, okay? Max, get back here.
1: Thanks, Pastor. Hello. Can you guys hear me? Okay. All right. Hi. My name is Max. 1 Corinthians 13, and 11, and 12. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know, just as I also am known. So for a majority of my life, um, I looked outside of me and around me to uh, resolve the pain that I felt and to resolve the need that I have because we experience pain and we also do have needs. Um, But they grew. They snowballed and, and things got worse and worse. And I just kept searching. And it, it wasn't until... I had tried absolutely everything. I decided that was it. I had tried everything. That I am. Um, I, I was just a couple of months ago. It was April 10th. And I was outside of my job at Publix. And I was just so broken hearted. I was at the end of my rope. And I called my stepfather, who's a follower of Christ. And he listened to me, and he said, Max, you need to accept Christ in your life. You need to ask God to make himself known, to open your eyes, to unplug your ears. That you let him into your life, because he's there. And so I did. I, I decided to open my heart to God, and I asked him to come into my life. And six days later, I I walked in on the Bible study, the men's group, and they told me that if that's what I wanted to do, I needed to confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and believe in my heart in him. And that's what I did. And God responded because I believed. My, my life hasn't been the same. Uh, One year ago, today, I woke up in my first of many institutions. I had completely lost my mind. I was without sanity. And the doctors thought that it was the beginning stages of schizophrenia. But I stand here today restored. Not by the yeah. w- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Amen. Praise Jesus. And not just to the state I was at before my, my, my substance use that led me there. I was brought there, but when I was there, this is, I was there when I came and I broke down and cried. I had received the most intensive medical treatment I've ever received, and it wasn't enough. But when I came to Christ, it happened, and it's happening. And now I understand, I understand. I I can say that, um, I I understand that whoever does not follow the, the commandments of the Father has not seen nor known him. And I understand that because I find myself drawing closer to his commandments and seeking his love. And furthermore, in relation to that piece of scripture, I'm, I'm putting down childish things. You know, Real maturation doesn't come with the growth of our stature, but from the openness of our hearts to Christ and to God. Because the more we rely on him, the more he provides us. And his provisions are always better than anything that we on our own can provide. And the last thing is, you know, I'm I'm still very young in this journey. Someone would say a baby in spiritual terms, because this has just happened, and I do walk with a lot of uncertainty still. But I walk not with uncertainty on the existence and the love of Christ, God, and the Holy Spirit. Yes. Thank you for letting me share.
0: See, that's what that's what God can do and He's done it most likely to all of us, you know, one way or the other. But Max got it right. You're still a little child. And first thing, you know, when you're when you're first born, your mother and dad's holding you, cradling you, wrapping you in blankets and feeding you milk. But as you get older, you, know, you start crawling and then, you know, you're holding Daddy's hand when you're walking, and sometimes daddy has to let go to see if you can walk on your own. So a lot of when you get older as a Christian, you know, God lets you walk on your own. You know, but he's still you know, you're still planning your steps and he's still directing your path. But you gotta know that he's gonna he is a father and he's gonna treat you like a son and uh there's going to be times when he has to let go of your hand to see if you're going to go in the right direction, you know, or, or whatever. Just uh, but you are a babe. I'm surprised and I'm blessed that you quoted that verse. <laughs> uh, so, just pray that the seed. We'll pray for Max. Now come on up, Max. I'm going to. We're going to pray for you, and I'll, I'll lay my hands on you, and uh, the church can hold out their hands, and we'll pray for him. Father, today I just want to come to you in Jesus' name, Lord, for Max. Lord, he walked in off the street. Unfortunately, he had some believers in his life, like his stepfather, and I believe his mother even now is, is a believer. Recently, and Lord, well, now you've grabbed a son. Your word tells us that, you know, that uh, that you want everybody to be saved. And Lord, we're thankful you for you sent Max here that we could be a small part of his beginning walk with you. And Lord, I pray that you would use him in a mighty way in the future, Lord, and that we as Freedom Church would be able to train him up in the way that he should go uh, so that he doesn't depart from you ever. And so we adopt him as a, as a, as a brother in Christ, Lord, and we're going to speak uh, goodness of him and pray for him all his days, Lord. So we're going to raise him up as a disciple, Lord, as you, as you uh, leak, uh, allow him to stay here. And we're going to believe you're going to use him for, for your glory. Father, I pray that the ground that was the seed was planted in is solid ground. I pray that it could be never taken out of his heart, that all the days of his life he will walk in your footsteps and bring you the glory and the honor and the praise forever and ever. With the devil bound in his life floor, we put a hedge of God, a protection around him. And we stand there as saints of the Most High, guarding our brother, who is uh, beginning a new walk with Jesus. We stand around him with our swords drawn. And if we see an enemy come near, he will be slain in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Max. Thank you. Yeah. Amen. Well, like, you know, Max came up to me this morning and says, um, I'd like you to give his testimony. And I'm thinking like, well, I know, fit right in at the end of this message. <laughs> so, prayfully good soil. And um, we'll see Max get trained up and and go places. I think he, you know, I, I believe it's good soil here. Don't get a big head. <laughs> All right. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your beautiful parable, Lord, may we glean much more from the parables to come in Matthew that you gave. Lord God, and may you receive glory. Father, bring people into this church, Lord, not to have an abundance of number, but people whose hearts are right to receive Jesus as their Savior. To you we give the glory, always and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you all, church. God bless you. No, mm-hmm.